0: Welcome to volume 10 of Jeeves in the Feudal Spirit. Chapter 21 It is pretty generally recognised in the circles in which he moves that Bertram Worcester is not a man who lightly throws in the towel that admits defeat. Beneath the thingamies of the what-do-you-call-it-his-head-wind-and-weather-permitting is as a rule bloody but unbowed. And if the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune want to crush his proud spirit... They have to pull their socks up and make a special effort nevertheless i must confess that when already weakened by having come down to breakfast i beheld the spectacle which i described i definitely quailed the heart sank beads of perspiration sprang out upon the brow and as had happened in the case of spode everything went black the floor heaved beneath my feet as if an earthquake had set in with unusual severity my eye in a fine frenzy rolling, Madame Dahlia's, and I saw that hers as well was rolling, too. Still, she did her best as always. At a boy, sappings! She said heartily, We were all wondering where that necklace could have gotten to. It is yours, isn't it, Mrs. Trotter? Ma Trotter was scrutinizing the salver through a longette. It's mine, all right, she said. But what I'd like to know is how it came into this man's possession. Aunt Dahlia continued to do her best. You found it on the floor in the hall, I suppose, Seppings, where Lord Sidcup had dropped it when he had his seizure. A dashed good suggestion, I thought, and it might quite easily have clicked had not Spoh, the silly ass, shoved his oar in. I failed to see how that could be so, Mrs Travers. He said in that supercilious way of his, which has got him disliked on so many sides. The necklace I was holding when my senses left me was yours. Mrs. Trotter's was presumably in the safe. Yes, said Ma Trotter. And pearl necklaces don't jump out of safes. I think I'll step to the telephone and have a word with the police. Aunt Dahlia raised her eyebrows. It must have taken a bit of doing, but she did it. I don't understand you, Mrs. Trotter, she said, very much the grand dame. Do you suppose that my butler would break into the safe and steal your necklace? Spur horned in again. He was one of those unpleasant men who never know when to keep their big mouth shut. Why break? He said. It would not have been necessary to break into the safe. The door was already open. Ho! Oh! cried Mrs. Trotter. Reckless of the fact that the copyright of the world was Stilton's. So that's how it was. All he had to do was reach in and help himself. The telephone is in the hall, I think. Seppings made his first contribution to the Feast of Reason and Flow of Soul. If I might explain, madam. He spoke austerely. The rules of their guild do not permit butlers to give employers, guests, dirty looks. But while stopping short of the dirty look, he was not affectionate. Her loose talk about police and telephones had caused him to take umbrage, and it was pretty clear that whoever he might select as a companion on his next long walking tour, it would not be Malt Trotter. It was not I who found the necklace, madam. Acting upon instructions from Mr. Travers, I instituted a search through the rooms of the staff and discovered the object in the bedchamber of Mr. Worcester's personal servant, Mr. Jeeves.' "'Upon my drawing this to Mr. Jeeves's attention, "'he informed me he had picked it up in the hall.' "'Is that so? "'Well, tell this man Jeeves to come here at once.' "'Very good, madam.' "'Sepping's withdrew, and I would have given a good deal "'to have been able to withdraw myself, "'for in about another two ticks I saw it be necessary "'for Bertram Worcester to come clean and reveal all, "'blazoning forth to the world and Dahlia's recent activities. "'If blazoning is the word I mean!' Feudal fidelity would no doubt make Jeeves seal his lips, but you can't let fellows go sealing their lips if it means rendering themselves liable to an exemplary sentence, coupled with the strong remarks from the bench. Come what might, the dirt would have to be dished. The code of the Worcesters is rigid on points like this. Looking at Dahlia, I could see that her mind was working along the same lines, and she wasn't liking it by any means. With a face as red as hers, she couldn't turn pale, But her lips were tightly set, and her hand, as it lathered a slice of toast with marmalade, plainly shook. The look on her dial was the look of a woman who didn't need a fortune teller in a crystal ball to apprise her of the fact that it would not be long before the balloon went up. I was gazing at her so intently that it was only when a soft cough broke the silence that I realised that Jeeves had joined the gang. He was standing on the outskirts looking quietly respectful. Madam, he said... "'Hey, you!' said Martrata. He continued to look quietly respectful. If he resented having the words "'Hey, you!' addressed to him, there was nothing in his manner to show it. "'This necklace!' said Martrata, giving him a double whammy through the lorgnette. "'The butler says he found it in your room.' "'Yes, madam. I was planning after breakfast to make inquiries as to its ownership.' "'You were, were you?' "'I presumed it was some trinket belonging to one of the housemaids.' It was-what? He coughed again, that deferential cough of his, which sounds like a well bred sheep clearing its throat on a distant mountain top. I perceived at once that it was merely an inexpensive imitation made from cultured pearls, madam. He said-I don't know if you happen to know the expression-a stunned silence. I've come across it in books when one of the characters has unloaded a hot one on the assembled company and I've always thought of a neat way of describing that sort of stilly hush that pops up on those occasions. The silence that fell on Brinkley Court breakfast table as Jeeves uttered those words was as stunned as the Dickens. LG Trotter was the first to break in. What's that? Inexpensive imitation? I paid £5,000 for that necklace. Of course you did. Said Ma Trotter with a petulant waggle of the bean. The man's intoxicated. I felt compelled to intervene on the debate and dispel the miasma of the suspicion that had arisen, or whatever it is that miasmas do. Intoxicated, I said, at ten in the morning. A laughable theory, but the matter can readily be put to the test. Jeeves, say, Theodore Oswald Thistle, the thistle-sifter, in sifting a sack of thistles, thrust three thorns through the thick of his thumb. He did with an intonation as clear as a bell, if not clear. You see, I said, and rested my case. Aunt Dahlia, who had blossomed like a flower, revived with a couple of fluid ounces of the right stuff from a watering can, chipped in with a helpful word. You can bank on Jeeves. If he thinks it's a dud, it is a dud. He knows all about jewellery. Precisely, I added. He has the full facts. He studied under an aunt of his in the profession. Cousin, sir. Of course, yes, cousin. Sorry, Jeeves. Not at all, sir. Spode came butting in again. Let me see that necklace," he said authoritatively. Jeeves drew the salver to his attention. You will, I think, support my view, my lord. Spode took contents, glanced at them, sniffed, and delivered judgment. Perfectly correct, an imitation, and I'm not a very good one at that. You can't be sure," said Percy, and got withered by a look. Can't be sure. Spode bristled like a hornet whose feelings had been wounded by a tactless remark. Can't be sure. Of course he's sure, I said, not actually slapping him on the back, but giving him a back-slapping look designed to show him that he got Bertram Worcester in his corner. He knows, as everybody knows, that cultured pearls have a core. You spotted the corner second, didn't you, Spode, old man, or the Lord Sitcap, old man? I was going on to speak of the practice of introducing a foreign substance into the oyster in order to kit it along and induce it to cover this F.S. with layers of knacker, which I still think is a dirty trick to play on a shellfish, which simply wants to be left alone with its thoughts. But Spode had risen. There was dudgeon in his manner. All this sort of thing at breakfast? He said, and I saw what he meant. At home, no doubt, he wrapped himself around the morning egg in cozy seclusion. His morning paper propped up against the coffee pot and none of this business of naked passions buzzing all over the place. He wiped his mouth and left via the French window, wincing with a hand to his head as LG Trotter spoke in a voice that nearly cracked his teacup. Emily, explain this. Ma Trotter got the long yet working on him, but for all the good it did, she might as well have used a monocle. He stared right back at her, and I imagine couldn't be certain, of course, because his back was to me, that there was in his gaze a steely hardness that turned her bones to water. At any rate, when she spoke, it was like what I have heard Jeeves describe as the earliest pipe of half awakened birds. I-, I can't explain it. She, yes, quavered. I was going to say murmured, but quavered hit it off much better. Don't you try to bark like a seal? Oh, I can, he said. You've been giving money on the sly again to that brother of yours. This was the first I'd heard of any brother of Martrata. but I wasn't surprised. My experience is that all wives of prosperous businessmen have shady brothers in the background to whom they slip a bit from time to time. Don't lie to me. Oh, cried the shrinking woman, shrinking a bit more, and the spectacle was a bit too much for Percy. All this while he had been sitting tensely where he sat, Given the impression of something stuffed by a good taxidermist. But now, moved by his mother's distress, he rose rather in the manner of one about to reply to the toast of the ladies. He was looking a little like a cat in a strange alley, which is momentarily expecting a half-brick in the short ribs. But his voice, though low, was firm. I can explain everything. Mother is innocent. She wanted her necklace cleaned. She entrusted it to me to take it to the jewellers. I pawned it, and had an imitation made. I needed the money urgently. Aunt Dahlia, will I be blowed? What an extraordinary thing to do! Did you ever hear of anyone doing anything like that, Bertie? New to me, I must confess. Amazing, eh? Bizarre, you might call it. Still, that's how it goes. Yes, that's how it goes. I needed a thousand pounds to put into the play. "'said Percy. Elchie Trotter, who was in good voice this morning, "'uttered a howl that set the silverware rattling. "'It was fortunate for Spode he had removed himself from earshot, "'for it would certainly have done that head of his no good. "'Even I, though a strong man, leapt about six inches.' "'You put a thousand pounds into a play?' "'Into the play,' said Percy. "'Florence isn't mine. "'My dramatization of her novel Spindrift.' One of our backers has failed us, and rather than disappoint the woman I loved... Florence was staring at him, wide-eyed. If you remember, I described her aspect on first glimpsing my moustache as having had a touch of the soul's awakening. But the S.A. was now even more pronounced. It stuck out a mile. Percy, you do that for me? I'd do it again, said Percy. Elsie Trotter began to speak, as to whether he opened his remarks... With the words bagoom I cannot be positive, but there was a bagoom implicit in every syllable. The man had got it right at the nose. One felt a gentle pity for Martrata, Little as one liked her. Her reign was over. She'd had it. From now on it was plain who was going to be the Fuhrer of the trotter home. The worm of yesterday, or you might say the worm of ten minutes ago, had become a worm in tiger's clothing. That settles it. He vociferated, if vociferated is the word. There won't be any more loafing about London for you, young man. We leave this house this morning. What? You do Dahlia? And the moment we get back to Liverpool, you start at the bottom of the business. As you ought to have done two years ago, if I hadn't let myself be persuaded against my better judgement. £5,000 I paid for that necklace, and you... Emotion overcame him and he paused... But, Mr. Trotter, there was anguish in Aunt Dahlia's voice. You're not leaving this morning. Yes, I am. Think I'm going to go through another of that French cook's lunches. But I was hoping you would not go away before we had settled this matter of buying the boudoir. If you could give me a few moments in the library. No time for that. I'm going to drive to Market Snodsbury and see a doctor. Just a chance he may be able to do something to relieve the pain. "'It's about here it seems to be catching me,' said L. G. Trotter, indicating the fourth button of his waistcoat. "'Tut-tut,' said Aunt Dahlia, and I tut-tutted too, but nobody else expressed the sympathy the writhing man had the right to expect. Florence was still drinking in Percy, with every eye at her disposal, and Percy was bending solicitously over Ma Trotter, who was looking like a toad beneath the barrow. "'Come, mother,' said Percy. Hoiking her up from where she was roosted. I will bathe your temples with eau de cologne. With a reproachful look at LG Trotter, he led her gently from the room. Her mother's best friend is her boy. and Dolly was still looking aghast, and I knew what was in her mind. Once this Trotter got away to Liverpool, she would be dished. Delicate negotiations like selling a weekly paper... For the gentler sex to a customer full of sales resistance can't be conducted successfully by mail. You have to have men like L.G. Trotter on the spot, kneading their arms and gently giving them the old personality. Jeeves, I cried. I don't know why, because I couldn't see what he could do to help. He sprang respectfully to life. During the late give and take, he had been standing in the background with that detached, stuffed frog look on his face, which is always what he wears when he's present at a free-for-all in which... His sense of what is fitting does not allow him to take part, and the spirits rose as I saw from his eye that he was going to rally round. If I may make a suggestion, sir. Yes, Jeeves. It occurs to me that one of those morning mixtures of mine might bring relief to Mr. Trotter. I gargled. I got his meaning. You mean those pick-me-ups you occasionally prepare for me when the state of the old head seems to call for it? Precisely, sir. Would they hit the trot? "'with Mr. Spotter, or rather the other way around?' "'Oh, yes, sir. "'They acted directly on the internal organs.' "'It was enough, I saw, that, as always, "'he had turned tur- to and Ramd, "'and I turned to LG Trotter. "'You heard?' "'No, I didn't. "'How do you expect me to hear things?' "'I checked him with one of my gestures. "'Well, listen now,' I said. "'Be of good cheer, LG Trotter, "'for the United States Marines have arrived.' No need for any doctors. Go along with Jeeves and he will mix you a mixture which will put the old turn in mid-season before you can say Lemuel Gengorphis. He looked at Jeeves with wild surmise and he heard Aunt Dahlia gasp a gasp. Is that right? Yes, sir. I can guarantee the efficacy of the preparation. How trotter you try to emit it all loud? Woof! Let's go. He said briefly, I'll come with you and hold your hand. Said Aunt Dahlia. Just one word, I said, as the procession started to file out. On swallowing the stuff, you will have the momentary illusion you've been struck by lightning. Pay no attention. It's all part of the treatment. But watch the eyeballs, as they're their libelness checked to start from the parent sockets and rebound from the opposite wall. They passed from the room, and I was alone with Florence. Chapter 22 it's an odd thing, but it hadn't occurred to me in the rush and swirl of recent events that with people drifting off in twos and threes, in the case of Spode, in ones, the time must inevitably come when this Beazle and I would be left face to face in what is called a solitude adieu. And now, with this unpleasant state of affairs, it was difficult to know how to start the conversation. However, I had a pop at it, the same pop I had when finding myself closeted with LG Trotter. "'Can I get you a sausage?' I said. "'She waved it away. "'It was plain that the unrest in her soul "'could not be lulled with sausages.' "'Oh, Bertie,' she said and paused. "'Or a slice of ham!' "'She shook her head. "'Ham appeared to be just as much a drug "'in the market as sausages.' "'Oh, Bertie,' she said again. "'Right, opposite you,' I said encouragingly. "'Bertie, I don't know what to do.' "'She signed off once more, and I stood there waiting for something to emerge. "'I have formed idea of offering her a kipper I dismissed. "'Too silly, I mean, keeping on suggesting items on the menu "'like a waiter trying to help a customer make up his mind.' "'I feel awful,' she said. "'You look fine,' I assured her, "'but she dismissed the pretty compliment with another wave of the hand. "'She was silent again for a moment and then came out in a rush.' "'It's about Percy.' I was nibbling a slice of toast as she spoke, but lowered it courteously. Percy, I said. Oh, Bertie, she proceeded, and from the way her nose wriggled, I could see that she was in quite a state. All that happened just now, when he said that about not disappointing the woman he loved, when I realized what he had done, just for me. I know what you mean, very white of him. Something happened to me, it was as though... For the first time, I was seeing the real Percy. I'd always admired his intellect, of course, but now it was different. I seemed to be gazing into his naked soul. And what I saw there... Pretty good, was it? I queried, helping the thing along. She drew a deep breath. I was overcome. I was stunned. I realised he was just like Rollo Beaminster. For a moment, I was not abreast. Then I remembered. Oh, Oh, yes... You didn't get around to telling me much about Rollo, except he was in a wild mood. Oh, that was quite early in the story, before he and Sylvia came together again. They came together, did they? Yes. She gazed into his naked soul and knew that there was no other man for her. I've already stressed the fact that I was mentally at my brightest this morning, and hearing these words I got the distinct idea she was feeling pretty pro-Percy as of even date. I might be wrong of course but i didn't think so it seemed to me that this was a good thing that wanted pushing along there is as jeeves has taken so neatly putting it a tide in the affairs of men which taken at the flat leads to fortune i say i said here's a thought why don't you marry percy she started i saw she was trembling she was moved she was stirred she seemed to feel the rush of life along her keel In her eyes, as she gazed at me, it wasn't difficult to spot the light of hope. But I'm engaged to you. She faltered, rather giving the impression that she could have kicked herself for being such a chump. Oh, that can be readily adjusted, I said heartily. Call it off, is my advice. You don't want a weedy butterfly like me around the home. You want something more in the nature of a soulmate, a chap with a number nine hat you can sit and hold hands with, and talk about T.S. Elliot with, and Percy fills the bill. She choked a bit. The light of hope was now very pronounced. Bertie, you'll release me? Oh, certainly, certainly. Frightful wrench, of course, and all that sort of thing. But consider it done. Oh, Bertie. She flung herself upon me and kissed me. Unpleasant, of course, but these things have to be faced. As I once heard anatole remark, one must learn to take a few roughs with a smooth. We were still linked together in a close embrace when the silence... We were embracing fairly silently was broken by what sounded like a heart cry of one of the local dogs, which had bumped its nose against the leg of the table. It wasn't a dog, it was Percy. He was standing there looking overwrought. I didn't blame him. Agony, of course, if you'll have a girl to come into a room and find her all tangled up with another fellow. He pulled himself together with a powerful effort. Go on, he said. Go on, I'm sorry I interrupted you. He broke off with a choking gulp, and I could see it was quite a surprise to him when Florence abruptly detached herself from me, did a jackrabbit leap that was almost in the cheese rat right Worcester class, and hurled herself into his arms. Eh? What? He said plainly missing the gist. I love you, Percy. You do? His face lit up for an instant. Then there was a blackout. But you're engaged to Worcester. He said moodily, eyeing me in the manner that seemed to suggest that in his opinion it was fellows like me who caused half the trouble in the world. I moved over to the table and took another slice of toast. Cold, of course, but I rather like cold toast, provided was plenty of butter. No, no, that's off, I said. Carry on, old sport. You've got the green light. Florence's voice shook. Bertie has released me, Percy. I was kissing him because I was so grateful when I told him I loved you. He released me. You could see that Percy was impressed. I say, that was decent of him. He's like that, Bertie is the soul of chivalry. He certainly is. I'm amazed. Nobody would think it to look at him. I was getting about fed up with people saying nobody would think it to look at me, and it's quite possible that I might at this point have said something a bit biting. I don't know what, but something. But before I could assemble the makings, Florence suddenly uttered something that was virtually tantamount to a wail of anguish. But, Percy, what are we to do? I have only a small dress allowance. I didn't follow the trend of a thought, nor did Percy. Cryptic, I considered it, and I could see he thought that as well. What's that got to do with it? He asked. Florence wrung her hands, a thing I've often heard about, but never seen done. It's sort of a circular movement starting from the wrists. I mean, I haven't any money, and you haven't any money, except what your stepfather is going to pay you when you join the business. We should have to live in Liverpool. I cannot live in Liverpool. Well, of course, lots of people do, or so I've been given to understand. But I saw what she meant. Her heart was in London's Bohemia, Bloomsbury, Chelsea, sandwiches and absinthe and the old studio, all that sort of thing. She hated to give it up. I don't suppose they have studios up Liverpool way. Yes, said Percy. You see what I mean? "'Oh, yes, quite,' said Percy. "'He was plainly ill at ease. "'A strange light had come into his tortoise-shell-rimmed spectacles, "'and his whiskers quivered gently, "'for a moment he stood there letting. "'I dare not wait upon I would,' and then he spoke. "'Florence, I have a confession to make. "'I hardly know how to tell you. "'The truth is that my financial position is reasonably sound. "'I'm not a rich man, but I have a satisfactory income.' quite large enough to support the home. I have no intention of going to Liverpool. Florence goggled. I have an idea that she was thinking, early as it was, that he had had one over the eight. Her air was that of a girl on the point of asking him to say, Theodore Oswald Thistle, the thistle-sifter, in sifting a sack of thistles, thrust three thorns through the thick of his thumb. However, all she said was, But Percy, darling... You surely can't make much out of your poetry. He twiddled his fingers for a moment. You could see he was trying to nerve himself to reveal something he would much have preferred to keep under his hat. I have had the same experience when had up on the carpet by my Aunt Agatha. I don't, he said. I only got fifteen shillings for that Caliban at Sunset thing of mine in Parnassus. I had to fight like a tiger to get that. The editress wanted to beat me down to twelve and six, but I have a An alternate source of revenue. I don't understand. He bowed his head! You will. My receipts from this, um, alternative source of revenue amounted last year to nearly 800 pounds, and this year it should be double that, for my agent has succeeded in establishing me in the American market. Florence, you will not shrink from me, but I have to tell you, I write detective stories under the pseudonym of Rex West. I wasn't looking at Florence, so I don't know if she shrank from him, but I certainly didn't. I stared at him agog. Rex West Lord Love Duck, did you write the mystery of the pink crayfish? I gasped. He bowed his head again. I did. And murder in mauve, the case of the poisoned donut, and Inspector Biffin views the body. I hadn't happened to get hold of those, but I assured him I would lose no time in putting them in my library list and went on to ask a question which had been occupying my mind for quite a while. Then who was it who bumped off Sir Eustace Willoughby with the blunt instrument? In a low-toned voice he said, Burwash, the butler. I uttered a cry, as I suspected, as I suspected from the first. I would have probed further into his art, asking him how he thought up these things and did his work. Regular hours or wait for inspiration, but Florence had taken the floor again. "'So far from shrinking from him, "'she was nestling in his arms "'and covering his face with burning kisses. "'Percy... "'She was all over the blighter. "'I think it's wonderful. "'How frightfully clever of you.' "'He tarted! "'You're not revolted?' "'Of course I'm not. "'I'm tremendously pleased. "'Are you working on something now?' "'A novelette. "'I think I will call it Blood Will Tell. "'It will run to about 30,000 words. "'My agent says that American magazines like to call those one-shotters, a nice colloquial expression, I imagine, for the material of a length suitable for publication in a single issue. You must tell me about it, said Florence, taking his arm and heading for the French window. Hey, wait a minute, I said. Yes? Said Percy turning. What is it, Worcester? Talk quickly, I'm busy. Can I have your autograph? He beamed. You really want it? "'I'm a great admirer of your work!' "'That is the boy,' said Percy. "'He wrote it on the back of an envelope, and they went out hand in hand, "'those two young folks starting on the long journey together, "'and I, feeling a bit peckish after this emotional scene, "'sat down and had another go at the sausages and bacon. "'I was still thus engaged when the door opened and Aunt Dahlia came in. "'A glance was enough to tell me that all was well with the aged relative.' On a previous occasion, I've described her face as shining like the seat of a bus driver's trousers. It was doing so now. If she was going to be the Queen of the May, she could not have looked chirpier. Has LG Trotter signed the papers, I asked? He's going to, the moment he gets his eyeballs back. How right you were about his eyeballs, when last seen they were ricocheting from wall to wall with him in hot pursuit. Bertie, said the old ancestor, speaking in an odd voice. What does Jeeves put into those mixtures of his? I shook my head. Only he and God know, I said. They seem powerful stuff. I remember reading somewhere once about a dog that swallowed a bottle of Tabasco sauce. It was described as putting up quite a performance. Trotter reacted in a somewhat similar manner. I should imagine dynamite was one of the ingredients. Quite possibly, I said. But let us not talk of dogs and Tabasco sauce. Let us rather discuss these happy endings of ours. Endings? In plural? I have a happy ending, all right. But what about you? Me too. Florence? You don't mean it's off? She's going to marry Percy. Oh, Bertie, my beamish boy! Didn't I tell you I had faith in my star? The moral of the whole thing, as I see it is, you can't keep a good man down, eh? I bowed slightly in her direction. A good woman! What a lesson this should be to us, old flesh and blood. Never give up, never despair, however dark the outlook. I was about to add, and however black the clouds, and go on to speak of the sun sooner or later smiling through, but at this moment she shimmered in. Excuse me, madam. Would it be convenient for you to join Mr. Trotter in the library, madam? He is waiting there for you. Aunt Dahlia really needs a horse to help her get up to speed, but though afoot she made excellent time to the door. "'How is he?' "'She asked, turning on the threshold.' "'Completely restored to health, madam. "'I am happy to say he speaks of venturing on a sandwich and a glass of milk at the conclusion of your conference.' "'She gave him a long, reverent look.' "'Jeeves,' she said, "'you stand alone. I knew you would save the day.' "'Thank you very much, madam.' "'Have you ever tried those mixtures of yours on a corpse?' "'Not yet, madam.' "'You should!' "'Send the old relative and covet it out "'like one of those meddlesome steeds "'which, though I have never heard one to do it myself, "'say, ha, among the trumpets!' "'A silence followed her departure, "'for I was plunged in thought. "'I was debating within myself "'whether to take a step of major importance "'or whether, on the other hand, not to, "'and at such times one does not talk, "'one weighs the pros and cons. "'I was, in short, standing at a man's crossroads. "'That moustache of mine!' Pro, I loved the little thing. I fancied myself in it. I had hoped to nurse it through the years with top dressing till it became the talk of the town. Con, but was it, I asked myself, safe? Recalling the effect of its impact on Florence Cray, I saw clearly that it made me too fascinating. There peril lurked. When you become too fascinating, all sorts of things are liable to occur, which you don't want to occur if you follow me. A strange calm descended upon me. I'd made my decision. Jeeves, I said. And if I felt the passing pang, why not? One is but human. Jeeves, I said. I'm going to shave off my moustache. His left eyebrow flickered, showing how deeply the words had moved him. Indeed, sir. Yes, you have earned this sacrifice. When I have eaten my fill. Good sausages, these. Yes, sir. Made no doubt from contented pigs. Did you have some for breakfast? Yes, sir. Well, as I was saying when I have eaten my fill, I shall proceed upstairs to my room. I shall lather the upper lip, I shall take razor in hand, and voila! Thank you very much, sir. He said. The end. This is your narrator, Jim Campanella. We hope you've enjoyed this Uvilo audio presentation of Jeeves and the Feudal Spirit by P.G. Wodehouse. Performance copyright 2009 by Uvila Audio, all rights reserved. The opening and closing themes were written by the well-known BBC composer Nigel Hess. Although the themes were not written originally for this purpose, as usual, they fit the story very nicely. Please feel free to write us and tell us what you think at uvilaaudio at and check out our MySpace website to contact fellow listeners, myspace.com slash we're listed on Podcast Alley. Please feel free to vote for the adult or kids bookcast so that we can get more listeners there. As usual, you may want to check out our Cafe Press website for t-shirts, mugs, and other things. For other Uvula Audio titles, please go to our website at www.uvulaaudio.com. For the next couple of weeks, we will be on winter hiatus. We will return at the beginning of March with Paul Ernst's 1937 pulp novel, justice incorporated this wonderful novel introduced the hero richard benson who inspired the creation of batman as you will see he's very different from doc savage in both story and tone justice incorporated is much darker than the man of bronze for example even though the stories on the surface seem very similar where you've got a, a hero with a bunch of helpers fighting crime really it's like comparing apples and oranges as as you'll see when you hear the stories The story is a bit dated after all this time, but it's still a rousing adventure for older kids and parents alike, and we really think you'll enjoy this, probably as much as we do. From all of us at Uvila Audio, we thank you for listening.